Welcome to Beers and Biscuits. I'm Nicole. And I'm Karen. And we are on location at the Copper Pig Brewery in Lancaster, New Hampshire. So Karen, what are you drinking today? Well, we are actually both enjoying the same delightful beverage. And I'm going to make sure, I'm going to try to get this right, is their Summer Cider Series. And it's called Hits the Mark. And it is their pomegranate version. Uh, we were speaking with the owner and the head brewer. And he is coming out with all kinds of different ciders this summer. And this one, it does hit the mark. <laughs> it is very yummy. Make sure you grab yourself a, a beverage, give your dog a biscuit, and enjoy the show. On today's episode, we are tackling the very big conversation, and this may end up being a few episodes, but we are going to be talking about credentialing and certifying and all of that fun stuff in the dog training world. Have full transparency, because we're actually going to talk about why it's important to be transparent. Full transparency, Karen and I already recorded a good amount of this episode, but we wanted to sit down and do it again and really kind of change the focus of what we were doing. We kind of got lost in the weeds a little bit ourselves, even, you know, having been in this industry for quite a long time between us, really taking a look at everything that goes into what would be considered, you know, having good credentials or having adequate credentials or, you know, what to look for or what trainers themselves can do, we kind of got lost in the weeds. And what we really wanted to do was bring that back and reel it in a little bit and really put the focus on the owners and what the owners can look for when they're looking for a trainer. Like you said, you can get so lost in the weeds and it can be so confusing and overwhelming. And then I think for owners, what tends to then happen is they just go, well, I'll listen to my neighbor. So we want to make it as clear as we possibly can. Right. Absolutely. For the first question that I have for you, Karen, well, actually not a question. <laughs> first, I would like to say congratulations. Thank you. Because you actually did just finish a credential yes so why don't you tell us a little bit about how that feels it feels wonderful and also at the same time a little nerve-wracking and I'm very honored to hold this credential now and it is a certified dog behavior consultant and in the spirit of transparency I had to try twice I did not get it on the first go round, and that's okay but I'm, I'm, I'm honored to, to hold that credential. Congratulations I'm very proud of you for doing that. I actually never pursued that the CDBC or certified dog behavior consultant it just seemed like a very daunting progress process to me that I just was like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with it. So then with the certifications that you do hold, 
why was it important for you to go after me? Good question. So I actually didn't pursue any certifications for a very, I wouldn't say any certifications for a very long time. Of course, I did have certifications and, you know, things here and there. Um, but in terms of, you know, an accredited credentialed dog training program, I just, I just couldn't justify it in the beginning. Right. So, you know, I had helped quite a few trainers study for their CPDT exam. And at the time I just was kind of of the mindset that my work will speak for itself, mm-hmm. right? My education will speak for itself. If anybody wanted to know why I thought I was qualified to do X, Y, Z, then I would have that conversation with them. This is my education. This is my experience. These are the certificates that I do hold, continuing education that I do hold. Um, and so I never really felt the need to pursue an actual credential at that at, at that time. What happened was, you know, over the past half a dozen years, maybe a little bit longer, the rise of <laughs> the rise of the, the insta famous trainer, right? The I've owned a dog and I can just hang a sign and now I'm a dog trainer and now I'm taking hundreds and thousands of dollars from people and I have no education. I have no experience. The more I saw how easy it was for that to happen, the more I thought it was so important to pursue an actual credential. The more I saw that it was so easy for anybody to just call themselves a professional, the more important I thought it was to actually bite the bullet and and do it and put those letters inside my name. And I think, too, with that, like the other thing to remind people about is that even though we have all these credentials and certifications and accreditations, it's still not a regulated field. So that's why this conversation is so important. So we can establish what the difference is, what a certified dog trainer is and a credentials. And so maybe you can break down that a little bit more, the difference between so, so yeah, so that's, that's really important too, for, for people to understand. Um, there are different types of certifications and a certificate program doesn't, isn't inherently mean, or doesn't inherently mean that you are quote certified yes. in said thing, right? So I can take a certification course and get a certificate, but it doesn't that I am actually certified in in said thing. So generally, the certification part or the credentialing part is is coming from an outside body, right? So an industry recognized body that is testing what you have learned in that certificate program, testing your knowledge, testing your education against their standard of what they think this this person should know. So for example, uh, good example kind of of the differences is like I hold a certification in dog nutrition, but that does not make me a dog nutritionist. It just means I have a basic understanding 
according to somebody on the internet about dog nutrition. So there's two ways to look at them. There's horizontal certificates and there's vertical certificates, right? So vertical certificates or certifications, we can think of them as building on each other. So like a degree, like you know, I get my bachelor's degree and that prepares me to hopefully get my master's degree. My master's degree prepares me to get my PhD and so on. And so within this industry, there are those types of programs where taking your education and getting your experience prepares you or should prepare you to then be credentialed. And then that credential would prepare you to get further credential. Right. So kind of coming back to your recent credential, you did do the accredited dog trainer first. Yes. And the idea is that hopefully that will help prepare you along with continued education and experience will then prepare you to become the certified dog behavior consultant. Right. And so that would be more of a vertical type credentialing, whereas a horizontal credential is you could have a bunch of certificates in certain things. They don't necessarily build on one another other than to give you knowledge. So you could have your nutrition one and then you have enrichment the other thing too is what we were talking about earlier with your most recent certification conservation forgive me i forget the proper name conservation detection yes 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 so like you were saying that is a certification but it doesn't make you a certified canine conservation handler correct so it's it's you have to be aware of what people are putting out there because unfortunately, people can, I could just go onto my website and I could say, I am a canine nutritionist when I am in fact not. And that's why we need to have this clarification and hopefully one day some, some regulation. In right. Right. Yeah. So it's important for owners to know that a certificate or even a certificate program does not inherently imply that the person is quote certified, right? So I think that's something that's really, that's really a big issue that I see nowadays that we do see that a lot, right? So we'll say, oh, I'm a certified dog trainer. Okay, well, you took a certificate class and you got a certificate and you can hang it on your wall, but there's more to it than that. And so hopefully with this episode, um, if we can get through it, um, we want to help owners and give owners things to look for beyond somebody just saying that they're certified. Because like you said, if the industry isn't real regulated and it's not, and anybody that just takes a course or takes a certificate course can say they are, quote, certified, then it really is, we need to look beyond that. And we need to look at more than just that. So in that breath, then, what are some either organizations or programs or what are some things that owners could look for when they're searching for a dog trainer or a behaviorist. So for me, I think it really comes down to how they feel, right? You have to be really honest with yourself as an owner and you have to be okay with doing the due diligence that is necessary. And it's, it is sad really that 
that we have to put the onus back on owners, right? That we can't just sit here and tell you that everybody is transparent and everybody is, you know, is operating from an ethical standpoint. It just isn't the case. So when you are hiring or looking to hire a trainer, you really have to go into it and you have to be okay with putting in the work and finding somebody. So what can they look for? What are some things that they should on a website or on whatever platform? What should they look for? I think first and foremost should be is what this person says, either on social media or the information in their website. Does that align with your values? Right? You know, structure, structure, structure. Your dog has to earn every single thing. And then that's not going to be a good fit for you. Right. That was a way segue. So we'll just cut that whole whole piece um, because that was really, really far off the mark there. Okay. So you asked me what can people look for? Yeah. Okay. But I think that was also a good point. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I think there, so there are some specific things that people should look for and i think the biggest two of them are going to be the language that is used on websites or in social media and in the in the body language of the dogs right and i know you said you know let's the body language is a whole topic in and of itself that you know we definitely want to bring on other people to talk about that but just cursory about body language if you are looking at the dogs on this person's website on this person's social media and the dogs do not look happy and they do not look like how you want your dog to look i don't care about the results yeah i don't care about what this person says they can do or you know what they can fix if ultimately the dogs don't look happy. Yeah. Because what is the point of you getting the perfect heel if your dog is miserable? Say that a little bit louder. Okay. Look past look past the finished product. Right? Because most of the time people are going to show you the finished product, right? So you'll see, you know, you'll see whole videos of this dog, you know, reacting and you know, being out of control. And then you'll see videos of this dog in a perfect heel. And that's well and good. Well and good. Fine. More power to you. However, does that dog look happy? And how did they get there? And how did they get there? All right. Yeah. I think a big thing for me is, and, and I'm not trying to claim that I'm the standard because I'm not, um, but like, you've got to be transparent. You've got to show the the mistakes or the mishaps that happen and if if all you're seeing on their website or on social media is the rainbows and sunshine and all the good stuff then to me that kind of goes all right what's going on what are they really doing but i do think that's also a double-edged sword though yes right because it also all you're seeing is dogs losing their shit Yes. All the time. To me, that is a huge red flag. Right. Because as a as a trainer and a behavior professional, I want to mitigate those reactions. Might they you know, every now and then occur? Of course. Am I gonna set it up so I can record it and get it on film and make a reel out of it? 
no, I sure as hell am not because my job is there to mitigate those reactions in the first place. And I feel like this, it could be like an even bigger conversation than this episode, but that is such an amazing point you just made that like, we don't need to see the behavior to fix it. Right. And unfortunately, there are trainers out there that make that part of their work campaign to get clients to, they show the bad and then immediately the good. So you've got to unfortunately find, like you said, you got to do the due due diligence. Right. And I, and I wish it wasn't that way. Right. Yeah. I wish it was a lot easier for owners. Um, so take, take a really discerning look at what is being displayed. Right. And, you know, you want to also take a look at the language that's being used. Is the language being used by this person, by this trainer? Is it outdated? Right. So. If you have a trainer that's still talking about alpha, dominance, pack mentality, are they using outdated language like commands versus a cue, right? So if you were immediately looking or reading through somebody's website and their, you know, commands, obedience, structure, control, um, those are not rooted in any modern understanding, any you know, evidence-based understanding of how dogs learn and therefore can be taught. So to me, that would be a, that would be a flag for me. I think definitely like the obedience and the structure for me, I find a little bit of gray space in the cue versus command because I feel like that is so new. Mm-hmm. And for me, it wouldn't, it would, yeah, it would still be a red flag, but it wouldn't immediately be like, I can't work with you because the other side is, let's be honest, we don't update our websites that frequently, but again, that, that's why, again, it leads us back to the due diligence. Right. It, is it just this one instance, but then when you are talking to them, they're saying Q, you know, so it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's this mucky of water. Right. Exactly. And it's very, it's not easy for owners. It's not easy for us to navigate. And we've been doing this for decades. So it's definitely not easy for an owner who is desperate for help to navigate, right? And you're just going to out us like that decades? We're not that old. Come on now. I am. No, we are. We are. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, simple things like for me, um, I, you know, coming from my background, it's really hard for me to get away from the term obedience. Like I have to make a conscious effort to not refer to what I'm teaching as obedience, right? And it really took a shift in mindset to understand that if I say a dog has obedience or doesn't have obedience, meaning they're disobedient, right? That takes on a whole different meaning than if I say they have skills or they're unskilled. So much. There's so much. And and it can be something as simple as that, as understanding that the language that we're using informs our mindset on how we approach a problem. And so definitely looking at how we think about things, right? And so looking through somebody's website, okay, is there one instance or are they just, you know, referring to 
obedience at us and you can tell or you can infer that they're meaning skills fine then yeah. let's look a little further but if it's you know all along and right structure if it's you know your dog lacks structure is your dog being stubborn and they just need more structure because let's just get this right out of the way a place cute doesn't fix shit no but i think the other thing that we've kind of been dancing around a little bit here is is the organizations now i don't know that we're necessarily going to specifically list out organizations here but what can people look for if they do go to x y and z organization what should they look for out of that place right okay so i feel like for me i i would want to look at if somebody says I'm certified through XYZ, I'm a certified dog trainer through XYZ, I want to go to XYZ's website and I want to read what I can about XYZ. Look at, you know, kind of the totality of that organization, right? So do they have their position statements? Do you have to search for them? Or are they readily available? So position statements by an organization are, you know, they're outward facing, they're, let's go like, 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 what do they stand for? What right, do they exactly. want people to, what do they want their members to be putting out into the community? Right. And, and I think that's, like you said, is a very good place to start because if they're not clear on what they want from their members, then their members are going to be going out and just spreading whatever they want. Right. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, looking at that, is that readily available on that organization's website? Is it clear? And does it align with your values? Yes. If you, you know, if you're reading through the, these statements and they don't necessarily align with your values or how you want to to train your dog or how you even want to go about living with your dog, then like you're saying, if the person is certified through them, then chances are they probably aren't going to be a good match for what you want to get out of training. Exactly. So that would be the first one. Um, and then I would say absolutely, like, you know, what does the organization require of its certified members in terms of continuing education? And is that, again, is that laid out on the website for you to see as the person that is the consumer, the, you know, the, the end consumer of this organization's credentialing process? You're the consumer of that. Are those things laid out for you? to say, okay, I feel comfortable that this organization is requiring however much continuing education of its certified members. And I think one of the things here too is, again, why, why it gets so confusing for people is there are organizations out there that I, I am a member of, and I don't know if you are or not, but it's just a membership. Right. There's no continuing education. It's just a yearly fee that I get to be listed on their website. Right. So. Like we've been saying, you have to dig a little bit deeper and you have to look at what yeah. else is out there. Right, exactly. And so that that also should be very clearly delineated on that organization's website. What are their membership levels? Yeah. A lot of them will say like an associate membership or a supporting membership. And that's basically what you're talking about, that I'm a member of this organization. I'm not necessarily a credentialed member. But I'm a member. Exactly. So that, that to me is, I, you know, I, 
as a trainer might align with that organization, but I'm not necessarily credentialed by them. And it should be very clear to the consumer. It shouldn't be, okay, well, a supporting member is this and a credential is that I don't know. Really. It should right. just be boom, boom, boom. I'm not confused. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think the other thing too is, and this is a, a, a big sticking point for me, um, but do they discuss this organization? Does this organization discuss their ethical, what's the word? Guidelines. Ethical guidelines. But also, what do they do when somebody doesn't adhere to the ethical guidelines? That should also be pretty apparent on this organization, whatever organization it is, website. Because if you're going to be representing that organization, and let's say you don't follow their position statements or you don't follow their ethical guidelines, and they don't care then you're not getting a good quality dog trainer that you're hiring. And, and it's, it's because this field isn't regulated, we need those policies in place right. that I can report trainer Joe to his organization and they take action and they don't right. just go, oh, oh, well, thanks for letting us know. Right. Because then that's not going to further this field and give owners or guardians of dogs a path forward, a better path forward. Yeah, I mean, it ha there has to be, in an unregulated industry, there has to be some measure of accountability. And they may differ between organizations, but it should be listed, right. and it should be clear, yeah. and you shouldn't have to hunt for it on their website right. to file that claim or that report. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been a lot of information for sure. <laughs> so unfortunately, owners are still going to have to do their due diligence and, and do some hunting until we can regulate this industry. Right. But you definitely want to look at all of the wordage and verbiage and what the trainers are putting out there. See if it aligns with what you want. You want to research the organization. Yep. And make sure, again, that your trainer is actually a member with right. and not just claiming it because those memberships do run out um, and that these organizations have policies in place, whether it's those code uh, of ethics. Yes, thank yeah. you. So you, we have to have to do that research, unfortunately. It's on us to make sure we're getting right. good quality. Right, product. exactly. Yeah, and I think... The, the biggest takeaway, I think, that I would want owners to know is that you should not have a problem asking this question. Anyone who is reputable, anyone who, who considers themselves a, an actual legitimate professional, if you were to ask them these questions, where were you credentialed through? What's your, you know, your continuing education like? When do your credentials expire? You know, any any questions like that, even just what's your education, if you were not met with an open, transparent discussion and someone that wants to engage with you about that, that is, to me, run. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, and again, not that I'm trying to say I'm the standard because, again, I'm not, but one of the things I always tell my clients is that if at any point in time, something I am recommending is not going to work for you or your family or your dog, 
please feel free to speak up. You should never feel like you can't stand up to your trainer. You should never feel like it's not a two-way conversation. Right. It should, you should never feel like you're being talked at. You're being, you're engaged in it. So I think right. that's another thing for, for anyone to be aware of. Ask the questions if they don't answer or if there's pushback. That's not your training. Right. Hope that this maybe, maybe starts to clear up some of the murky water. Um, I do know that we are going to have a special guest join us and talk a little bit more about her experience from just a dog guardian to a certified, an actual certified dog trainer. Um, so hopefully that will give you a little bit more insight as well.